How's it going, everybody? A brand new edition, a special edition of Talking Cowboys, not from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. Instead, we are from our own homes, bringing you all of the coverage of DallasCowboys.com and what has been a wild week of NFL free agency. We've got, uh, well, it looks like Rob Phillips is below me. I've got Heckma. To my left, I guess, on the on the screen, I'm trying to point different directions. And then Mickey with his fight t-shirt down at the bottom as well. <laughs> Guys, this is a little bit different. This is a little different, but it's a ton of fun. And we're glad to, to be able to bring you a special shelter-in-place version of Talking Cowboys. Mickey, have you even thought about doing anything like this ever before? Uh, absolutely not. That's why I've got my fight t-shirt on, because we're going to fight through this thing and actually make it work. Uh, I think I've done Talking Cowboys in probably a dozen different places. Uh, this one takes the cake, though, that we're all at home. And you know what? We're sort of like the network uh, news locally, right? Everybody's been doing weather and sports from their houses, and now we're joining right in with those professionals. And that's kind of the crazy thing with all this whole thing is we're not we're kind of behind the curve in terms of trying to do this as a a normalcy with it. Heckma, I know you're smiling ear to ear at this moment. I know you're having some fun. Hey man, we look like the Brady Bunch right now. I love it. <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a little old school, but still, I mean, Mickey down there, you know, we just point over at each other. I don't know where everybody is, but yeah, this is pretty cool. Just make sure nobody hey. walks in behind you there, Heckma. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I'm quarantined at home with an eight-year-old and a thirteen-year-old. Guys, I'm going crazy. I need you today. No, I feel Rob, you. I I've got you. Might have that. Yes, if if you hear a seven-week-old baby crying in the background, don't worry about it. She's doing just fine. And I'm proud of Mickey, by the way. Yeah, I got a text message from him at three o'clock in the morning on how to figure out this whole technology thing, and he's got it figured out. So way to go, Mick. Yeah, this is a big well, upset for me to have this figured out because I had no idea what was happening at 10.30 last night. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how quickly this came together, but a special thanks to, to Derek, to Matt Kent, who's producing back behind the scenes, and then uh, everybody else who was involved in trying to get these podcasts up and running even throughout what is such a hard time and a, a, a crucial time in our country and our world at this moment. But with that being said, there's plenty of Cowboy storylines to get to. So we're going to start off with the big one. Last night, Travis Frederick, the Pro Bowl center for the Dallas Cowboys, announced his retirement from the NFL in a, a little bit of a shocking move. But at the same time, it was kind of something that you could see potentially. It was one of those things that you looked at uh, as a, a big blow for the Cowboys, but it wasn't necessarily anything that kind of uh, kind of came out of nowhere with the, the issues that he's had in the past with his health. Of course, uh, he has some, some family things going on as well. So uh, good for Travis Frederick, but at the same time, this is a big blow for the Cowboys. We'll start with you, Mickey. What were some of the first thoughts that you had when the announcement came out last night? Well, I think uh, originally when I saw it, it was sort of say what? Because uh, it did somewhat come out of the blue. Now, evidently, folks in the organization were somewhat... Uh, brace for it if it did happen. Obviously, they had been in contact uh, with Travis, and I'm sure he had discussed that with him, with the with the front office. But you know, from from our stand, standpoint, I was like, oh my! Uh, and my immediate reaction was, well, if that's what he needs to do, fine. And now the Cowboys are kind of in a, a scramble mode, and I'm wondering 
and I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but what what's happening out now with the coronavirus and everybody being sheltered in place, I wonder if that somewhat brought some uh, reality to him that, boy, there's a lot more important things in my life than maybe playing football and what I went through and what I probably still have to go through because I don't know if you're ever, ever totally recovered uh, from the Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, and, and he said, you know what, what am I waiting on? Uh, I've probably made enough money. Uh, I hate to have to do this, but maybe just this is a little bit of reality here and I better move on because uh, life doesn't wait for all of us. Rob, that's an Rob. interesting. That's an interesting point, Mick, because it, this, these are strange times. So there's no doubt about it, and he's been through so much. I gotta admit, when I saw it, the statement that he released through Twitter, I I was surprised and not surprised because if you really go back and you and you, and we were in the locker room with him every day last year, and he many times he said things to the effect of, "I'm at peace with my career. I'm at peace with where I'm at right now." Uh, and, and being able to come back and knowing what I've accomplished in the past. And it, it, looking back on it, 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 maybe it was a sign that, that that was something that was on his mind. And he was very candid in his statement that he made last night that that was a tough year for him last year. He didn't feel like he played to the level that he expects to, even though he made his fifth Pro Bowl in six healthy seasons, even though the Cowboys had success offensively. Uh, and, and that even when he was coming back from the illness he was in a way ready for his next stage of life but his competitive spirit didn't allow him uh, to just go out on those terms he wanted to come back on the field first Um, it's a surprise but given what he's been through I agree with you Mick I'm not surprised that he decided to make this decision he's a smart guy he's made a lot of money he's got uh, a great family and and he's going to do well in, in whatever he does next and I think I think he's confident in that uh, that you know, seven years in, twenty nine years old, he can move on and, and move forward and be successful doing something else. Yeah, for me, guys, listen, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I'm, I'm tuned in to my television, waiting to get news about things getting better or things getting worse. And when I received that, you know, the the update that Travis Frederick had retired, I mean. It was a blow. I mean, with everything else going on, it, uh, the, my first reaction, the first thing that I, first thing I said was, you know, first the Fat Boys break up. Now this, you know, <laughs> or the Oak Ridge Boys for 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 Mickey. Uh, but seriously, guys, I, I think he, Travis Frederick, has been the consummate. Uh, pro for the Dallas Cowboys on and off the field, everything that he's done. Um, and, and like I said, I'm speaking from a fan's perspective. When we got him in 2013, his impact on that offensive line was immediate. And although Ty, you know, uh, Tyron Smith was the elder statesman, it was just you saw the impact and how he was able to solidify that line. And, and it, you know, when Zach Martin came in 2014, it just, man, it, it made that line unstoppable uh, in 2014. And I just recall just thinking back on Travis Frederick's career, just seeing how, 
you know, he those guys were able to open up some massive holes for DeMarco Murray. So, you know, I know that the, you know, the, him getting back on the field was an undertaking all on its own and maybe some things happened. And like you said, Mick, you know, with everything happening in the world, you know, it puts things in perspective for everybody uh, right now. And him being someone that's had to battle back from this, you know, autoimmune disease and just understanding that his health is foremost. I understand it from that standpoint, but man, what a blow uh, for, you know, Cowboy Nation, uh, basically. Yeah, the reaction on Twitter last night was fans were really bummed about this. And, and not that that's a huge surprise to me, but he plays offensive line, right? It's not a sexy position, but I, it, it, I was happy to see it because it reinforced the, the level of respect that fans have for him, even though he's not a touchdown maker. Um, as Heckma said, just his level of professionalism, how he's been really the heartbeat of this dominant offensive line for the most part for the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Yeah. A lot of respect for him and what he's been able to do. And, and you know, this is, this is a big deal. I mean, this is, uh, in my opinion, he very well could be a top 50 player in the history of this franchise. And when you think about 60 years of Dallas Cowboys football, if he's a top 50 player... Wow. Even at seven, even a seven-year career, uh, that shows you what he accomplished. In my opinion, I think he, I think he's on that level. You know, and yeah, the, the thing I, I, I fear, and and I understand his physical ability, his athletic ability, uh, the level he can play at, but his expertise up front, yes. getting everybody set, seeing what's coming, helping Dak Prescott out. I think they will miss that experience and his level of intelligence. And I'm not saying everybody else, uh, whoever might play the game, uh, you know, doesn't understand the game. But he understands it at a level that I'm not sure I've seen at center uh, in quite some time. Might have to go back. You know, Andre Girard was pretty good at center. Uh, Ray Donaldson was pretty good at center. Those guys could run the show. Now it's not only finding somebody physically capable, athletically capable to play that position at a high level, but also to help out your quarterback. And I don't know if there's any correlation, but the year he was out, the Cowboys gave up like 56 sacks, 58 sacks. Last year it was 23. Is there a correlation? I don't know. Uh, but I think he runs the show up there better uh, than most centers do. I think it's funny you say point, that, Mickey. Go for it, Rob. Sorry, Kyle. I, it, yeah, to your point, Mick. I think Dak did a better job of being aware of you know, his pocket presence, and I think that helped reduce some of his sack totals. But you know, Travis in his statement, you know, he didn't said he didn't play the level he expected. He played well, but that offensive line did play well. And he was definitely a part of that. And Joe Looney did a solid job in 2018 starting for him. But, yeah, you mentioned the sack totals going down. Zeke finishing second in the league and rushing the offense. Put up a lot of yards and, and a decent amount of points. And, and he's definitely part of that. So uh, I don't know if he did himself enough justice. He's just such, you know, he's just such a – has such a high expectation level for himself, and, and that's to be expected. Uh, but it sure puts – the Joe Looney re-signing last week in more perspective. And, and like Mickey said, I think they knew this might have been coming. Um, and so now Joe's part of that mix and try, you know, trying to figure out how to replace him. 
five five Pro Bowls in six healthy seasons for Travis Frederick and. Uh, you kind of talked about that cohesive unit up front last season. This is a stat from ESPN that I saw on Twitter last night. But Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith made their fifth Pro Bowl together since 1970. That trio is the only offensive line trio, trio to make five or more Pro Bowls together uh, throughout their entire career. So you talk about the cohesive unit up front. It's not going to be easy to replace. You see that already. You see that whenever, like you were just talking about the, the, the numbers from a couple seasons ago when he was having to deal with his health issues. And, of course, he said, each day I faced a struggle. Whenever he came back, he said that he can no longer perform at his highest level, and that's not what his teammates deserve. Now, it, it – is that going to be his highest level still seem like or not his highest level rather still seem like it was still higher than a lot of other potential options but now we've got kind of a three-man even four-man battle for the center position uh and what do you guys see kind of working out with guys like uh, uh connor mcgovern who played center at penn state then you've got redmond in there you've got connor williams and then of course joe looney at least at the moment is the presumed starter what do you guys see in this position moving forward well, well I, I wanted to say basically with with replacing tyron with excuse me travis frederick you know uh, and and to to allude to what you were saying before rob and, and just his overall intelligence i don't know if you can actually replace that uh you're talking about a guy when you look at the history of the nfl with centers like Demonte Dawson, uh, Stepnoski, just great centers in the league. You, his IQ, his football IQ was far you know, above anything that we had seen and just solidifying this line. And so looking you know, into the future and saying the Joe Looney signing was pivotal, and, and I believe that's why he was one of the, among some of the first uh, contracts to get signed. Uh, but I just believe that it's going to be very competitive um, because all of these guys don't have, you know, any any skin in the game with any of these coaches. So everyone from, you know, McGovern to Williams to Looney, Redmond, all of this, I mean, going into, we don't know if we're going to have OTAs, but obviously going into two-a-days, you know that that is going to be a heated competition to see who's going to be the starters at center and guard. Well, let's go, Connor McGovern. They didn't draft him in the third round for nothing. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, he had to sit out and watch last year uh, because of the injuries. Uh, but if he's as good as they think he is, uh, then let's go. Uh, get, get ready to play. Now, the hard part is, again, is the fact that uh, there may not be an offseason. And who knows how long training camp will be. Uh, so th the good part of this is at least Joe Looney's got some experience, and maybe you bring him along. You know, it takes me back to uh, 1989 when the Cowboys drafted Mark Stepnowski. Uh, I believe it was the third round. And he didn't start right away. As good as he was, you know, they kind of held down the fort uh, with Rafferty until Stepnowski was ready to go towards the end of the season. Uh, so at least you have Joe Looney in there as a bridge uh, that can can help you out, and you know you wouldn't mind uh, you know going to battle with him. But again, uh, to me, Looney's value to this team is the ability to have one guy back up on game day at center and guard, 
if he's starting, he's probably not backing up at the guard position. And now you got to have somebody to back up center and guard and keep eight offensive linemen uh, uh, active. But he does have a 16-game head start on all of these guys uh, because of the way that he filled in for Travis Fredericks. And so I think it may be, you know, I think, you know, Conor McGovern, because we drafted him in the third round, everyone just is assuming that he would be the heir apparent. But based off of the starts that Joe Looney had, it seemed like to me that that would be a righteous place for him uh, to be at uh, come this coming season. Yeah, and I think so from, from initially, but from a talent standpoint, is the guy you drafted in the third round potentially better uh, than the guy you signed in free agency only on a one-year deal? Which to me, maybe he wanted to be here, but it wasn't like somebody uh, you know, blew his socks off with an offer uh, to try to sign him to a long-term deal. Good points by both of y'all. I, I do think, though, I agree with Heckman in terms of the uncertainty of this offseason. If, if there really is no... OTAs, or if it's drastically reduced, I think it gives Joe Looney a definite edge. I think from a coach's perspective, there's got to be more of a comfort level in having a guy like that who started a full season at that position in the NFL. Um, Mickey, you're right, though. McGovern started games at center. He started games in, uh, at guard at, at Penn State. I, I do think when they drafted him last year, they had to have this in the back of their mind. I know Jason Garrett, former head coach, said it was a blinking light situation for them in terms of draft value, and he was just sitting there uh, near the end of the third round. But they had to know, you know, because at that point, Travis had not really gotten back to football activity, at least not on-field stuff. So that, this was a, that was a bit of a contingency draft pick for them, and it may pay off at some point. I just don't know, given the uncertainty of things, I don't know if it's going to happen right away. Keep in mind... McGovern did not practice really at all uh, throughout the offseason. I mean, I think when they got to training camp, he wasn't ready to go. And, and it continued uh, throughout the season to where they just left him on IR with the pectoral injury. Now, he's fully healthy, but he has not played football in the last you know year plus. Well, there's still free agency, too, by the way. Yeah, and I was going to yeah, ask Kyle, how's, how's, that, how's that center position looking in the draft? Yeah, it's not very good, at least in terms of <laughs> interior offensive linemen. So I don't well, that's know not good. After. Yeah, not good at all. But you look at Travis Frederick, his retirement leaves behind $11.3 million of dead cap to the Cowboys, clearing almost 630000 in terms of cap space. So it's a tough football and business loss for the Cowboys. But, Mickey, I kind of wanted you to put that into perspective what kind of cap hit does this retirement have, and how could that affect the Cowboys maybe moving forward trying to either go outside for a replacement, or does it kind of add some emphasis on that draft? Well, here's what's going to happen. They're not going to turn in his retirement papers till after June 1st. So that $11.04 million that you just mentioned will get spread out over two years. So his, his, uh, his uh, cap hit... Uh, this year uh, probably uh, ends up at about uh, $4.9 million in dead money. And you're going to get, after June 1st, is $7 million base salary back. Uh, and then the rest of it will hit uh, the next year. It'll be $7 million. So it's, it's sort of like a June, designated June 1 release, but they're not actually releasing him. They'll keep him on the roster 
until after June 1st, and then they'll turn in his retirement papers. Uh, so the hit this year, you're going to pick up seven million in base salary. There'll be four, whatever I said, four point nine million uh, in dead money. Uh, and, and so, and and the reason there's so much dead money is, see, he's in the last year. He was in the last year of his deal, and and the the signing bonus proration is only six hundred and fifty thousand. The, the reason it's so high is because he twice restructured his base salary that turned into uh, restructured bonus money that they spread out over the life of the contract. Uh, so they had still in restructured bonus money $8.6 million uh, to account for over this year and next year. So that's why it was so high. But they will get the $7 million base salary back. That won't count. But you won't get that back until after June 1st, until after you turn in the retirement papers. But look at it this way. The $7 million is kind of your savings account to sign your draft choices because I think uh, their draft uh, cap allotment is just over $6 million. So that's almost like putting it in a savings account, and then you can use that money to sign your draft choices. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome for us. But, you know, I was looking at Joe Looney's uh, deal. He signed a one-year, $2.4 million deal, free agent deal. Obviously, he didn't know that Travis Fredericks was retiring uh, because he would have definitely tried to sign for a longer term and more money. Oh, you think he was going to hold him hostage? <laughs> he might have if he, if he knew that Travis Frederick was retiring, I, I, I think guys. sometimes you just have to realize who you are before you play that card. I understand. I understand. But still, I don't think he knew that. Well, regardless of, of where it was going to head originally, I mean, you, t- you take a look at a new coaching staff overall, Mike McCarthy, and you're going at him and you're saying, hey, you're going to have to end up playing this, this next upcoming season without – Byron Jones, without Travis Frederick, without your best pass rusher from last year, Robert Quinn, it makes it even tougher having these these holes kind of mixed around in, in all of that being said. But it, I, I threw out a tweet yesterday, and I got some mixed feedback back and forth. It was about offseason needs with the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, there's still a ton of need on that defensive side. And so early in the draft, you're probably going to still be seeing some defensive spots uh, addressed at least at the moment, but what's what's the possibility of, of off, interior offensive line kind of moving up that draft board and maybe even getting up into uh, an opportunity to try and replace a guy like Travis Frederick should McGovern, Williams, or Looney just not work out? Well, you don't know they're not going to work out, right? You're, I mean, you, you, you're drafting insurance there on that point because is a rookie going to come in and play better? Uh, than these guys? Are you going to draft a center in the second round? You know, a lot of that, it, it sounds good, but availability also is important, right? You know, you can have all the needs you want, but if, if your needs don't meet availability, then you got to move on and take, again, you know, which position? Uh, I've been saying it, and the dartboard just got bigger, right? You just throw a dart at the position board, and whatever you hit, you're probably going to need. Uh, and this just throws maybe another need in there. But let's also remember, you know, this Cowboy team had the luxury of three pro bowlers on their offensive line. 
Not every teams they're they're they they'll count their blessings if they have one. And, and you were sitting here with the you know the riches an embarrassment of riches. Uh, so you know sometimes you just got to make do. Uh, now we'll see how well they play. You know Looney's a better center than he is a guard. Uh, I think he gets overpowered at guard. Uh, at center, uh, he, he struggles if you're playing a three-four with a three hundred and fifty-pound snacks Harrison in front of him. So uh, yeah, it's a need, but in, in in relation to cornerback and in relation to defensive end, is it a higher need? Uh, I don't think so. I agree. I mean, I, and I and to your point about. Joe and he did play well two years ago. He did, but you know he wasn't Travis Frederick, and I think their red zone performance showed in that two years ago, and they were a little bit better at it this past season. I, yeah, I, I think from a center position perspective, they would have to just roll. They'd be more comfortable rolling with what they have right now than spending a high draft pick on that position, in my opinion. Regard unless value, Kyle is is really good at some point in the early rounds because you did draft Connor McGovern for a reason. You do have Joe Looney as a guy that's at least done it. And as Mickey said, maybe a little, they've been a little spoiled in terms of the, the talent level they've had on the offensive line. Uh, Connor Williams does have some position flexibility. We've seen him kick out to tackle apparently a little bit in practice in the past. Um, I, I think I think you'd be more primed to, to roll what you have there Losing Robert Quinn and Byron Jones right now, they have yet to really fill those two positions right now. And those are two big-time positions. I mean, you think about marquee positions in just the game of football, pass rush, lockdown corner are in the top four or five. And they just lost both those guys to free agency. So to me, those are major needs right now. And and I would expect the first-round draft pick at this point to go at one of those two positions. Well, and you mentioned the the potential of, of draft and, and what the, the value looks like there. I'll, I'll give you a couple of names. Lloyd Cushenberry III, center out of LSU. Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. Matt Hennessy maybe out of Temple. Those are three guys that you probably wouldn't look at until in terms of the Cowboys. I wouldn't take a look at them until, of, until pick 82-ish. I don't think pick 82 is is a bad spot to maybe start looking if you're going to try and draft a guy there. But also, with that being said, you picked a guy at pick 90 last year in Connor McGovern out of Penn State. So, I mean, either way you go, the versatility is there. There are options there. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of just a crazy scramble, at least at the moment, of trying to figure out what to do here. But I don't think it's as much of a scramble for this this coaching staff in this front office I think this is something that maybe they saw the writing on the wall a little bit but uh, we'll kind of move on from from Travis Frederick I might come back and ask you guys later in the show uh, exactly maybe maybe your favorite Travis Frederick story or something of the sort but uh, some other news kind of raining down throughout the course of the week of course just free agency as a whole also by the way one of the benefits of doing stay at home podcasts is there's no commercials so you don't have to listen to commercials there's no mickey's read either oh no no no. come on on. mickey do you have do you have a read oh if i have time you don't mind me looking down and printing it out i sure could get one (laughs) (laughs) absolutely we gotta have it man 
that's that's up to you. If you wanna if you wanna give your JackBlack.com read, then then you can absolutely do that. But uh, I mean, there's been some some let's just say stayings and goings of the Dallas Cowboys uh, over the last week. Plenty uh, of free agent tracking that's had to be done, and uh, I'm going to run through some of these lists. There's only been three NFL free agents uh, reportedly signed. Uh, and agreed to terms with the Dallas Cowboys. Gerald McCoy, the three-year contract back on the 17th. Maurice Kennedy, uh, originally from the New York Jets, and then the HaHa Clinton Dix. And then you've got a slew of guys who have left, like Jeff Heath. You've got Kerry Hyder, who is now gone. Robert Quinn, who we mentioned earlier. Malik Collins, also going to the Raiders. Cam Fleming going to the Giants. Suafilo heads to the Bengals. There are all of these individuals that have now left Overall, what are some of the, the 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 upcoming moves for the Cowboys? I know Don Terry Poe has been in the conversation. I know Snacks Harrison's also been in the conversation. Harrison was just mentioned by Mickey a couple moments ago. But Rob, have you heard anything about what's going on with this front office and what their next moves may be? Well, the reports are, as you mentioned, Don Terry Poe is a guy that they've. Uh, possibly zeroed in on and trying to get a deal done with him if not him then another uh space eating defensive tackle that appears to be a position that they're zeroing in on and and that would be a major philosophical shift from the rod marinelli excuse me i'm rusty the rod marinelli (laughs) marinelli era from the last six seven years when he was here and wanted those Uh, more smaller, quicker, penetrating defensive tackles. If you look at the games where they've struggled with their run defense in the last two seasons, they've lost. They've lost football games, and and some of it has happened. If you go back, Mick, like that Indianapolis game in 2018, uh, even when this team was rolling and they got diced up up there in Indy, they were not winning the battle up front with their nose tackle play. And and sometimes it's on the linebackers, and sometimes the linebackers are just getting washed out of plays because linemen are getting to the second level on them. And I think that is something they've looked at and discussed internally. Do we need to go with more size inside? And that appears to be the direction they're going. And we've seen it in Green Bay before with Mike McCarthy's Packers. They've had those larger nose tackles, and this may be the route they go. And this may be the, the decision they need to make in terms of trying to shore up their run defense and being a little more consistent in that area. Well, if they decide to stay in a 4-3, so tell me who's the backup for Antoine Woods right now. Yeah, that's what Draft I thought. Pick? Yeah, that's what I thought. So Yeah, I mean, do they have another true nose tackle? Yeah, maybe not. I don't think they, they do. They don't. I mean, Christian yeah. Covington's a free agent, and they just lo- it looks like I just saw something that they lost Kerry Hyder. Uh, so from, yeah, Forty Niners, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a nose tackle. I I understand, uh, right? But they got to do better than Christian Covington and Antoine Woods, and that's probably what they're thinking is if they can get another one of these one year type of prove it deals with somebody that's been successful, uh, but hasn't got a job yet. And, you know, this week, next week, if you're sitting there without a job, you're, you're probably not sitting there negotiating a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and, and, and I'll say it again, and I keep saying it, uh, in this climate, not knowing if you're going to play or not, I'd certainly hate to be sitting there without a job uh, and, and, and trying to say, no, I need more money. 
because you might be uh, when the music stops, Jameis Winston, you may not have a chair to sit in. <laughs> well, Am I right, you know, Rob? We. Rob, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, what was going to be the DNA of Mike McCarthy's team in the defense and what type of identity, obviously, with, you know, Rob Marinelli's defense being uh, comprised of, you know, quicker, smaller uh, guys. And so you see a girth movement with Gerald McCoy's uh, signing. And look, man, I don't care how long it took us to get this guy. He is what we needed uh, as far as the size. And then you look at Don Terry Poe, if this signing does go through, he, these guys are huge. I mean, I've heard names like uh, Indomitian Sue. I don't know if that's going to happen. Purnell and other guys that have played for McCarthy in the past. But you can tell, I mean, without even knowing the philosophy, if it's a 3-4 or 50 or 4-3 defense that they're going to go through, go with, uh, they're going with bigger personnel up front. And I think that's going to benefit our linebackers because our linebackers are quick guys. And, you know, they're able to do what they do. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch is amazing when he doesn't have to fight through an offensive tackle trying to earhole him. Uh, the same uh, with Jalen Smith, you know. And so I think all of these things are going to benefit us. Now, there's been some rumors or people speculating whether the Cowboys are going to go with a 3-4 defense over a 4-3. In my opinion, we just don't have the personnel to run a 3-4. So, you know, with our main money guy being Tank Lawrence, you know, why change what he does, you know, in the 4-3 defense? Because he's able to do things from the outside that a lot of guys in the league aren't able to do as far as, you know, the moves that he makes. Now, also, with that being said, you know, Mickey, you, you make a great point about guys out, you know, that are... You know, trying to do everything that they possibly can to get big money deals. And when I look at this defense and just the, you know, if we can get a guy like Snacks Harrison or Poe uh, to get signed. But also, there are guys still out there like a Jadavian Clowney. Now, I mean, I, I mean that, that's a wish list deal because obviously his salary and what he's asking for is way up there. But you can imagine him and Tank Lawrence and Gerald McCoy. I mean, that is going to be a murderous row defense because all of those guys can get after the quarterback and they're, and again, excellent in the run. And that's what we're going to have to do in order to shore up some of these deficiencies uh, that we had on defense. Can well, you afford it? Yesterday. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got, you got, you got two guys right now taking up. Uh, in, in cap space, uh, $43, million because of Dak. Mickey, not I said wish list. I did, I did say, yeah, I did I say wish list, Mickey. Wish list. I know, but we're talking reality here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Come on now. We've got Don't to talk reality, you, you know. And, and, and so, yeah, we all got wish lists, uh, but I'm sure they have a wish list. But I don't know that you can afford a guy. Uh, but you're going to need yeah, somebody if... to play that defensive end spot. And again, how much bigger is is, is Gerald McCoy than Malik Collins? Two inches uh, taller. I mean, yeah, what is, what's McCoy yeah, weigh? Yeah. Like three twenty? Yeah, twenty five. Malik's three fifteen. Yeah. He's just two inches taller. So uh, again, production wise, production wise, I mean, still McCoy is, I, is I definitely better. I got you. Yeah. And, and they were fortunate that he wanted to come back here and play uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, because his son's just signed to go, and uh, he committed to Oklahoma, so he's now closer to home, uh, and, and where his son will be playing. 
Uh, they were fortunate on that deal. So let's remember, they didn't pay him an arm and a leg to come here, right? $3.5 million against the cap this year. That's peanuts. Uh, and they got a good deal. So, oh, but like I said, everybody's not sitting there looking to work for peanuts. So I think what they're sitting there doing is can trying to find guys that are available. That they're bigger. Uh, Snacks Harrison to me is a, a liability because he can't run. He can't go sideways. And the Cowboys never had any problems uh, dealing with him. You just want him to run uh, and, and go sideways, and, and you you negate what he can do. You still need good players, not just big players. Well, and but you bring up the edge rusher part. Being, Good, Kyle. I was just going to say, you, you talked about Jadavian Clowney end up being a part of that wish list and, and somebody that I know, Heckma, you want to try and potentially bring in, but just because he's on all of the media's list, wish list doesn't mean he's on the Cowboys' wish list, nor does the, the contract necessarily make sense. And plus, you're talking about, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I kind of want to go back to the, the 4 3 3 4 conversation. And a lot of people said, oh, because Poe would be brought in and a, maybe a Snack Harrison would be brought in, now neither one of those are official yet, of course, but uh, if they're closing in on a deal, it, it, it would be more evidence that the Cowboys are switching to a 3-4. I don't think that's necessarily the case, especially when you're talking about Poe, because Carolina played more 4-3 with two of those yeah. guys on that line last year than a 3-4, and Poe was more of a guy that was a one-technique on a four-man line. He could play the three-technique if he really needed to, and then you had McCoy that was kind of on the edge, which, according to earlier in his career, was a little bit more out of the ordinary. But there was versatility between those two guys, and I think that's something that has to be looked at moving forward. Just because they're signed and just because they're going with a bigger defensive line doesn't necessarily mean you're going to a 3-4. Yeah, and tell yeah, me this. You go to a 3-4, who's your two outside rushing linebackers? That's you don't the have the question. personnel for that. You don't, yeah, it's you don't. Jalen Smith, maybe? No. You want him yeah, dropping big, in coverage? Because yeah. those guys have to drop in coverage, too, right? Yep. Absolutely. I, I don't know that, that you want Jalen Smith lining up on the line of scrimmage against a 340-pound offensive tackle. Agreed. Yeah, but I also think to a certain extent the three four three four three discussion. I'm not gonna say it's overrated, but even if they were to go to a a, a base three four front, they're still gonna play nickel four man line at least two thirds of the time, if not seventy five percent of the time. So, I, I mean, yes, I, I think certain players fit certain schemes better, but I think. We've even seen three-man line here in the past with Rod Marinelli, and and I'm not discounting that. I think they they definitely will probably look at being a multiple defense, um, but I don't know if they're if they're looking for guys for a specific scheme fit only, because uh, they're they're probably going to play multiple styles, and with as many holes as they have on this defense right now, Mike McCarthy said it recently. They just need good players, and then figure out where to play him. I do think the edge rusher spot is still interesting and still a bit of a mystery and a hole, major hole, because you know I've heard Randy Gregory's name being thrown out as well. If they could get him back, you know that'll help fill Robert Quinn's spot. I don't. You cannot count on that situation. You just can't. He's missed no. too much football. There's too much. Um, there's too much uncertainty about him. And I know reportedly he's trying to re- apply for reinstatement. 
they need to they need to find someone else that can fill that spot. Maybe if, maybe Tyrone Crawford can help if he's healthy and back, uh, but they need another pure guy out on the edge to do that. Maybe McCoy can do some of it, uh, but I, I I would try to add another guy, and maybe it's going to be in the draft. We'll see. Randy Gregory's got to be you know you know how you go and get a vanilla cone ice cream cone and then you dip it in chocolate. He's the chocolate on top of a good cone. Uh, it, 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 because you can look, the guy's played. I think I figured out he's played. If we get to September, he'll have played 16 games in the National Football League in 55 months. For yes, he's got talent, right? But he hadn't played, and it'll be almost three years since he's played, or two and a half. For him, to think that he's going to come in and step in and be a starter from day one and and play. You know, forty snaps a game. I think that's asking a lot when a guy has is that rusty. Because remember, when you're on your own, it's hard to practice football, right? It's hard to yeah. go down the street and find some guy who say, "All right, would you line up in front of me, three hundred pounds, and let me push on you?" No, you can't get live reps like that. And, and you know, I want to go back to something that um, Nate Newton brought up, the great Nate Newton brought up last week, and just being able to get those guys up front in your defense that can, you know, not allow quarterbacks to have that clean pocket. And that's what the Cowboys are going to need uh, from their defensive front, whether it be with, you know, getting a guy through free agency or going into the draft to get an edge rusher, that's fine. You know, like I said, Jadavian Clowney, uh, Mick, when you were talking about guys actually uh, – Losing, you know, basically losing uh, chairs, basically to you, and you have my head mixed up, man. You actually call Randy Gregory dipping in chocolate. I just, I can't even think anymore after you said that. <laughs> an interesting to, analogy, I'm isn't it? To get my thoughts together. I just, I can just see Randy Gregory getting dipped in chocolate. I'm anyway, but what I, what I mean is that you know, I know all of those are luxuries, and that would be you know great to have that kind of talent but when we're talking about what we need on defense and just going back to last year you know a good defense you know ranked ninth but a great defense is going to get you sacks it's going to get you turnovers and those are some of the things that this cowboy defense actually needs i love the signing of haha clinton dix i mean his length uh at the free safety position he's proven it um that he can be that guy that we need in pass pro and and you know as far as you know getting those interceptions ball hawk tackling you know a guy that tackles really well uh, but just some of the other things that we have on defense, and Rob, as you alluded to, we can't be finished with getting this together because, man, you know, even from the corner, you know, the back half of our defense, even with the guys that we've signed, there has to be more that we could do in free agency because Jordan Lewis and Awuzie and Brown, those signings were good. Kennedy, those signings were, were, you know, that was that was great. But at the same time, that's not shoring up that position where I think it gives you that confidence going into week one where you have some guys that are ball hawks and going to play. And, and again, we don't know what the scheme is going to be either uh, to play to these guys' strength. But again, I just think that with what's been done early, with McCoy, with some of the guys that they're courting right now, we're still a long ways away from seeing this be complete where we can go into week one saying, okay, we're confident with the, with the product that we're going to put out there on the defensive end. Well, here's what scares me on, on, on those guys, some of those guys you mentioned. They signed one-year deals. They were willing to play on a one-year deal. So 
uh, it scares me that there wasn't a big market out there for them. And uh, they're, they're, they're on one-year prove-it deals. Uh, so yeah, well, let's see so to me, that's it. not an answer. It's a bridge to whatever comes next. And, and the best thing you can do is draft well. And, and fill, these guys will fill a position for you until a young guy can come in and play. I mean, well, ha-ha, Clinton Dix, how many teams has he played for now in the last three years? This will be his fourth. Three. Yeah, this will be his fourth. The, the Packers yeah. traded him to uh, the Redskins, and then they didn't re-sign him, and he signed a one-year deal, uh, and now he signed another one-year deal. So I don't think he's an answer. He's a bridge. Uh, and I'm not sure he's a free safety either, by the way. What do you think he is? A lot. What do you? I think he's a he's a box safety. I okay. think he takes Jeff Heath's spot. You know, Xavier Woods, your free safety. Because okay. if he's I will not, say, then Mick, you've opened I will, up another spot. I will say, watching a little of his tape since they agreed to terms with him, he's got more range than I thought he did. Yes, and 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 can make some plays on the ball. I think, and I think his experience. I think Mike McCarthy knows. What he's capable of doing. This could be this could be an underrated signing. I'm not disagreeing with you that it's that it's probably a bridge situation, um, but I think the the coach's familiarity with him. I think that's that's good. That that that's at least there's that. Even though the organization doesn't have that familiarity with with Clinton Dix. Um, but to your well, point about about the draft, they you know some of these these discussion we're having about si- potentially signing guys up front and signing Gerald McCoy. Remember. They've spent draft picks on guys recently that, to this point, have not panned out. You know, if Tristan Hill was a productive player last year, we're, we may not be having the same discussion. So right. it is, it, it's big, it's imperative to, to have success in the draft, and largely they have had success. Um, but that's when, when, when it doesn't work out through that route, that's why we're talking about trying to find guys in free agency that can plug holes. But they haven't signed them to, to like lifelong contracts, right? They're nibbling. No, because but they're they're gonna they're gonna ask him to play a major role, though. Oh no, I understand I mean, that. But when you're looking, it's not all about just this year either, right? You go, what's what happens next year? You know, same thing. You know, they 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 won the bet on Robert Quinn, right? Traded for him. Right. What they give up a fifth round pick and, and redid his contract, and, and he won the bet. He played well, and now he goes on, and now you still got to fill that spot. Now, do do they have somebody ready to step in? Is Dorrance Armstrong ready? Jalen Jelks? Uh, I don't know. We didn't see it, uh, but y- y- you have to keep filling it with younger guys because you only have so much cap space remaining uh, to play with. You, you, you well, got to hit. You got to hit on that draft. Let's talk about the defense right now in theory. I mean, at this moment, with no signing of Poe, with no draft prospects, the defense right now, if you're looking at maybe, let's say, a nickel defense, you're seeing your right in, what, Randy Gregory potentially? You've got Gerald Well, I don't think you can even say – you can't say Randy Gregory. Well, that's who you have potentially on the roster at this moment. Well, he is is not on – this is – well, he's not on the roster, though. You've he's said, not going to even let you have the in theory, Kyle. He's not no. even letting me have the in theory. Okay, here, here's your, here's, here, here should be your premise. If they had to play okay. tomorrow, how are they lining up? Okay. Oof. Yeah, that's tough for the right defensive end spot. Because then you've got Jeremy McCoy's one technique. 
No, Tyron he's Crawford the three technique. The three. He's the three technique, McCoy. Where's Tyron Crawford fit into all this then? If you're you playing can, you tomorrow. He's, he's going to play wherever you need him in a rotation. He's, he's going to help you at end, thing? or he's going to be a three technique. He's, he may not start. Who's the backup at three technique right now? T- Tristan Hill, you think? Yeah, probably Tristan Hill. Pretty much. Yeah. Unless you, unless you, you resign good? Christian Covington. Unless you resign I, I, Covington. I, I, I just think McCoy's a three technique. That's what he's played. He hasn't played the nose. Okay. If if he ends up going, or if if Poe ends up being signed by the Cowboys, let's let's look at and, this again. And, 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 Would it be? And let me point out something about Poe and, and Snack Harrison. Mm-hmm. You know, those were reports, right? Well, let me tell you what happens when free agency agents throw out a lot of flack out there because they're trying to drive up the the price for their for their client. So when you hear that stuff, it it may not be coming from inside the Cowboys. It may be coming from agents. And and I've seen it so much during my career that they'll just the agent will throw out something to a reporter uh, and act like they're giving them a story when indeed what they're trying to do is up the market value. Because if the Cowboys are interested in this, oh boy, I better hurry up and sign this guy. So just be careful with the reports. So maybe not, that, Mick. But but philosophically, though, Mick, I think that may be where they're leaning, though. Now, how they fill it, we'll see. Right. But I do think we'll see a bigger nose. And by the way, Antoine Woods is is a exclusive rights free agent. I mean, the Cowboys have exclusive mm-hmm. negotiating rights with him, and he has not been tendered to this point. So just throwing that out there too. Well, and you've also got the the linebacking core. Hopefully. I mean, who knows with Leighton Vander Esch at this moment what he's going to end up being. Does linebacker maybe potentially play a bigger role in terms of where you're looking from the draft? Because you've got some options, or you don't have as many options there. You've got Jalen Smith, Sean Lee's coming back. But other than that, what are we really looking at with this linebacking core? Is this going to be somebody that, or is this going to be a position that you're going to have to look for in free agency coming up? It's on my dartboard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all of those things, Kyle, like you said, I mean, we're, we're, the Cowboys are looking at all of that. I mean, and Leighton Van Der Esch's neck injury, I mean, God, I mean, that's one of those things as a linebacker and, and from a medical staff, they are going to make sure that this guy is ready to go and he doesn't have any further harm uh, to his neck. But again, Joe, the Joe Thomases, some of those other signings that you see, uh, that you've seen uh, done through free agency, I think are going to help the Cowboys. But again, Free agency is big right now. I don't think that they're done by a long shot. We're talking here just, you know, obviously these are all hypotheticals about who's going to be there. Uh, but there are just still so many holes that have to be filled. And, 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 and Mickey's dartboard, he's throwing a lot of pieces, you know, out because he knows. I mean, there are some, some holes. You were trying to say hypothetically what our uh, first day, like if, if the season started today, I was waiting to see what, what were some of those other positions that you were going to say would, would be starting yeah I mean I basically had McCoy Tyron Crawford Demarcus Lawrence on that defensive line with a big question mark I, I would say Randy Gregory at right in but like Mickey said let's not let's allow the theory it. out of the theory <laughs> yeah whatever so then you've got linebacker Jalen Smith Sean Lee then corner it's Chidobia Wuzier Jordan Lewis 
Anthony Brown, safety Xavier Woods, haha Clinton Dix. In theory, if all of that works out, you're not necessarily pitter-pattering along. That's a pretty solid-looking core, and like I said, without any draft picks, without any other signings on the on the line, suddenly you add Poe, you add maybe two or three first three-round draft picks. There's a little bit of more. There's a, you're just a couple pieces away. Even with some of these guys, or some of the the thought and the feel around this team is, this is going to be a bad 2020. I don't think that's the case. I think they're a lot closer than a lot of people think because of these bridge signings. Like you said, it's not just a bridge going into 2021. It's a bridge to your next big signing or your next big player, your next 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 dartboard, Mickey. If you want to throw the dartboard in there in terms of the draft. It's a bridge to kind of fill these holes, put bodies there that are capable bodies, and not just a, a backup corner from another te- team that's going to come in and make an impact. You're bringing in starting caliber players, and now you're starting to get into the point where you can really get to the meat of your roster. So are you, are you trying to tell me that they're better off right now than they were last year? I'm saying they're better off right now than they were at the start of the offseason. I wouldn't say better off than last year because you lost a guy like Robert Quinn and Byron Jones, but you're better off now than you were whenever the, the league year started a couple weeks ago. Oh, well, yeah, I understand that. But we, you made it sound like they're making big progress to improve this defense over last year. Uh, I think that they've, they've made one significant signing, and it was Gerald McCoy. Mm-hmm. Of guys so that would you add Poe? Would you add a Poe or a Snacks Harrison in there too? Would you no. call that a significant no. signing? No. You no. wouldn't. No, because I bet they're a one-year deal. Okay, but this is McCoy what they was do. A three-year deal for this... a thirty-year-old, thirty-two. But he, but he, but he, but he still. There was a reason why he took that deal. What was that reason? Well, I told you he, he wanted to be closer to the sun to see him play at Oklahoma. This is this is not this is, shouldn't be really a surprise the way they've gone about it. I mean they 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 look for not necessarily bargain signings, but definitely cost effective signings, guys that aren't going to strap their cap and and try to re-sign as many of their own guys as they can. And they have re-signed a decent amount of guys from last year's roster. You mentioned a bunch that have, that have gone, but this is how they operate. You know they're not comfortable throwing out. Big time money, by and large, to free agents from from the outside. And now, I, I, I guess it's a little bit surprising though that they haven't maybe made more of a splash because, like what we're sitting here talking about, the defense still has quite a few holes, and you only have so many draft picks that conceivably can you know realistically help you in year one. Um, but I do think getting a you know a defensive tackle in here that can make more of a splash, Mick, whether it's on a one year deal or not. I mean, this is you know Randall Cobb was on a one-year deal last year too, and Robert he's a productive Cohen was player. On a one-year deal. Yeah, a little different because he was trade. in the last. Yeah, okay, he was in the last year. Of his they, deal. I know they that was a trade, in. but it was a one-year Cowboy prove it thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and can still and find bargains. And now here. you're still and you're still trying to. There's no future in one-year deals, right? Now you're back in the same boat you were a year ago at both of those positions. So is that is that a, a push for them to make longer deals with some of these guys? What well, you've got to have it? salary cap money. I don't know why you guys can't understand that. You've got to have space to sign quality guys. 
It's it's pretty simple. Think about the money they've already spent for the cap this year. Mm-hmm. $31 million against the cap right now for DAC, and we don't know that mm-hmm. that's not going to change. $12 million for Amari Cooper. And then go ahead and add up all the other little ones they signed. They're little. Well, you're probably around $40, $45 million, uh, of what you have, and you still got a draft, so throw another $7 million in there. You know, all of a sudden you're running out of money. So, Mick, either we sign a guy to a one-year deal or we get a guy in the draft, but at some point we're going to have to get bodies on this defensive line. So we can't – every guy isn't going to fit picture perfect into our cap space. And every team is going to have a cap issue. The Cowboys obviously are in that position where they're trying to get guys, whether it's agents blowing smoke to get their guys signed or not. Don Terry Poe, a guy that came into the league at Kansas, he's he's still someone that the Cowboys can use. He is still a guy that can be effective. Where did whether he, Snacks, heck, whether where Snacks did he, Harrison can run he, laterally or not, he is still a guy that clogs up the middle and still can make plays. So, so do these other teams have those spots already filled? That's why they didn't re-sign him? So the thing is, Mickey, that's why this whole thing is so interesting. When you talk about free agency and you look, you start surveying the land and you look at who signed and who's not, I'm sure that's what the front office is doing. Trying to get guys that fit what we're going to do. I understand not just sign, that, but not why just are get they a warm available? body in a seat. Why not are just they get a warm available? body in a seat, Mick. Why are they available? Uh, because of cap reasons that other teams have them available. Cap space, they just couldn't get them signed. I mean, Gerald McCoy isn't a bum. He's a guy that's been playing at a high level for a lot of years, and so he's a free agent. You make the statement, oh, he's a free agent for a reason. He fit perfectly into what we needed, and he signed and with I, us. And he Whether signed it was a, th- a friendly signed, deal or not, he's he here. He signed a three-year deal, too. Right? So, Mick. So look, that's a good one. But but you'll take that. You'll take McCoy, but all of these other guys, regardless, if we can't sign them to longer deals, and I hear what you're saying. How many saying. teams have given up on Harrison in the last couple of years? Two? You don't have to worry about him because he just tweeted that he, he got no contact from the Cowboys, Mick. See there? He's what am I telling out. you? He's not, That's what I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach you guys Poe was the Poe was the, re, the, the report. Poe was the report. It wasn't Snacks Harrison. Snacks Harrison was just a, a plug-and-play that media has been talking about. And, and same thing with and same thing with Poe, right? That we know of, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, makes I, you know, I think there's been more substance with Poe though than there was with anything in terms of Snacks Harrison. Well, Mick, you can't have it both ways, though. I mean, I know I, I'm with you. They they are a little more cap strapped than people would like to think, in part because they're thinking long term with some of the big contracts they need to get done, including Dak. Um, that would help them. That wouldn't hurt them. Well, okay, but there is only so much space to go around, especially when you have a top-heavy roster. I get that, but at the same time, uh, looking, there can be value in the second wave of free agency. We've seen it here before. It's not. There are. You know, it doesn't mean that there are only bad players left. Sometimes it's a cap situation. Sometimes it's an age situation. Uh, but the Cowboys can still find help in those areas but if you're telling me they don't have money to spend in the first wave of free agency then what else are they supposed to do they can't just wait for the draft for everything you know i don't i don't not sure how to answer that 
<laughs> yes, Rob. Did I get you? Did I get you? They, they got to do something, you, you, right? You just talked out of both sides of your mouth. You said that's what you do all the time. They they don't, don't, no, I don't accuse him I of doing that. Did no, not. you just told me that they got to do something, but they don't have any money to do it with. No, I'm saying so. Don't devalue these second wave signings. They've done it in the past and had success doing it. So. What what do you want them to do is my is my question. If if they're not going to spend tons of money the first week, then they've got to nibble on the outer edges of free agency. I understand the nibbling, but don't don't so, try to sell me a bill of goods that they've gotten better. That's I'm not saying point. they're I'm not saying they've gotten better. They but they have to find a way to fill fill holes. Oh, I and they understand can't, that. They, they can't they can't do it just on the last weekend in April. But we're we're hailing these one year deals. I don't know who's hailing, hailing a one year deals. You're, you're the veterans that have come in that are trying to kind of back in the backside of their career into potentially a longer deal later on. There's nothing wrong. I don't know why there's so much things wrong with a one year deal overall. That's my question. Because to me, if they were if they were that good, somebody signing them to a three year deal. You liked the Cobb signing last year. You did. I did. And he and he parlayed it into a, a deal that the Cowboys just couldn't match or didn't didn't feel was was appropriate to match. And right. Was that a one year exactly. deal? It was a one year yeah, deal. And he was a guy, he bet on himself. He was a guy that bet on himself because the Packers didn't want him back. Remember, so I'm just had, using that. He had as, some injury problems. I understand. But I'm now just using it as same, an example. You're in the same situation again this year. Guy wins the bet still, and goes on and signs a big contract. Well, when you when you commit receiver. when you commit a large amount of your salary cap space to a few of your high price top guys, this is what you have to do. I mean, this is how you have to operate. And and you know, I think the McCoy signing, even though it's a three year deal, I think is is more in line of how they operate year to year. It's it's pretty good value, and and they're going to try to do that with another spot or two before they're done here. I'm not big fans of 340-pound defensive linemen who can't move. Well, and there's also a a ton of time between now and even the start of when we think training camp will get underway. So I say right now the defense isn't as good as last year, but by the time you maybe get a Don Terry Poe or another piece in free agency and then you add a couple more of these draft picks – a couple day one guy or a day one guy and a couple day two guys, then all of a sudden you might be just as good, if not better, than you were last year. I'm not saying that is a prediction by any means, but there's always that opportunity that you go out and you sign the right guys, you bring in these dudes on sh- on cheaper deals, cheap money, good play, and a value pick are the three things that you really need to try and build a Super Bowl contending roster, and I think that's still in the air for the Cowboys overall. Any last words, gentlemen, before we sign off out of here? I think the one thing we need to remember about Travis Frederick, and this is a cautionary tale for all the draft experts out there, that was a bad pick. If you remember, mm-hmm. everybody said criticized the Cowboys. They traded down, and they took a center that supposedly they could have got in the second or third round, and the the pick was criticized. And now, seven years later, 
I would like to see those people put their hand up in the air uh, because now he's being hailed as, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do without Travis Frederick? So mm-hmm. from, from a draft standpoint, don't all think you're perfect out there when, when you're analyzing the draft. Uh, I know the Cowboys aren't perfect making picks. They miss, uh, but they sure hit on that guy, and they're sure sorry to see him go. Yeah, last thing for me on Travis, just remember two years ago when he sat out the season, he did not miss a single meeting, practice, or game despite what he was dealing with. And, and, and the symptoms and the things he was, he was dealing with uh, with GBS were very serious and very restrictive uh, but he was still there for his team and, and really inspired his teammates, and I think they're going to miss that leadership next year. Yeah, Travis Frederick for me. I mean, he's he's. I'm guilty of watching football from the inside out, and it has been a joy to watch he and Zach Martin in the middle of our offensive line just completely gutting uh, guys. And you know, I just look back on the, in the game versus uh, the Saint versus the New Orleans Saints at uh, Cowboy Stadium, and man, those guys were. I mean, our, our run offense, what we did against them, and, and it was all due to Travis Frederick and. And, you know, how, basically how smart he is, how tough he is. We're going to miss that. That's going to leave a gaping hole uh, for us. But, you know, hopefully, you know, in the NFL, there's this next man up mentality. But just who he was, not on, just on the field, but also the work that he did in the community. Uh, a lot of people don't make a lot about what these guys do in the community. And, and I hope that and, and I know that that is a, a legacy that he will continue because he has been so giving and so generous uh, to so many in the Dallas community. And so, you know, again, it it goes more than to say of what he did on the field. His off-the-field contributions were amazing. And one quick story from me for Travis Frederick overall. When I was hired by the Cowboys last year, I did some of the open locker rooms and things like that around week two of the season. There were three guys that reached out to me and kind of uh, talked to me that first day because they had recognized a new face. The first one was Travis Frederick. The second one was Randall Cobb. And the third one uh, was Jason Witten. So the fact that those three guys reached out to me made me feel welcome and overall like that. So that's one story that I'll always look back on with Travis Frederick. It's a very recent story. And his uh, career uh, overall was something that I always enjoyed watching just as a football fan and a, a, a guy who really respects good offensive line play. So he's going to be missed. And he's going to be a bigger hole for the Cowboys to fill than I think a lot of people realize. But that's going to do it here for us on Talking Cowboys. We hope you're staying safe out there. Stay indoors. Stay away. Stay sanitized. Everybody, uh, we hope you enjoyed this very innovative version of Talking Cowboys. I'm just glad Mickey got to figure out how to work a camera and and got connected for us. Hey, just remember, I was the first one connected, okay? He's a millennial. And also remember, go to getjackblack.com because 25% off site-wide and free shipping. You better hurry. Those deals will go away. There it is. Hey, that's, that's one way to, to get in a Jack Black read. we got to give the applause back and forth. But that is going to do it for Heckma Harrison, for Rob Phillips, and for Mickey Spagnola. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week here on Talking Cowboys.